Good morning. Um, it is freezing cold. I'm not kind of used to this, and my ear feels a bit um, squashed. But anyway, if I, do look, if I do look a bit funny, it's just normal. Okay. Um, my, name's, my name's Tom Johnston, um, and um, I'm one of the elders at, at Connect Church. And um, what we're doing at the moment is that we're going through the, the book of, of Acts in, in a series called Reimagining the Church. And we're kind of examining the, the early church just to look for clues at the way in which we can make church more relevant and more powerful um, and, and more effective in extending the kingdom of God, you know, for the glory of... <laughs> that's pinching my notes. <laughs> that was mean. <laughs> just to make sure that I can remember what I said. <laughs> um, and, and really extending the kingdom of, glory, kingdom of God for the glory of God. Um, Brad asked me to, to talk about baptism, and I kind of thought, wow, you know, that's not something I've visited for a long time. Um, and it probably was one of the first theological issues as a Christian that I really, really struggled with initially. Um, and, and so I'm just really going to talk to you about my journey. I'm, I'm not going to do a great... Um, in fact, there are far more qualified people here um, to, to talk about baptism. And I'm not pretending that I'm going to do a full exegesis on baptism. But I'm just going to give you my journey and the questions that I kept asking as, as I went through it. And I, I mean, I started off as a sprinkler, and I've ended up as a full immerser. <laughs> okay? <laughs> so... Um, I don't know where this name came from in my brain, but it popped up. I was baptized, I was sprinkled in the Methodist church, I was christened, by Reverend Frank Mussel. Um, and how I can remember that name is just remarkable. Um, but anyway, that's who it was. I think I, th <laughs> I met him twice, and that was once when I was sprinkled, and once many years later when I, when I became a Christian. And, and he was uh, an incredible Christian man, actually. Um, but, you know, what I find, and I don't know if you have the same thing, but you, my journey with God has been really strange. It's, it's like I'm, I'm going camping, and it's like when we went to Chobe last year. We arrived at the campsite in darkness, and we sort of struggled to put the, camp, put the tent up. And in the morning, um, we woke up as the sun started to rise. And that, that's how I've kind of found it as a Christian. You kind of, you become, a, you become a Christian, you give your life to Christ, but <clears throat> you don't know everything. And suddenly this new dawn arises. And I, I remember poking my nose outside the tent and suddenly seeing the shapes of the hills across the way. Wow, and this was amazing. And the sun started to rise more and I wanted to explore more. And goodness gracious, there was a river right in front of us, not 50 meters from where we were camping. And wow, I looked in the river and there were hippopotamuses and crocodiles. <laughs> and, and for me, and I just wanted to go out and explore. And part of the problem that many Christians have is that they just get as far as peeking out of the tent. They don't actually go out and explore. You know, and then we would go out and we would go and look at the animals. And then we would see God's great sense of humor when I saw a giraffe you know, with this long neck. I mean, what a contrast to a hippo with a short neck who lives in the water. You know, and, and I just, you know, just the exploration as a Christian, as you actually go out and you explore, is, is, is very like that. And then as the day goes on, you know, you just, you start 
understanding a lot more, you start seeing a lot more. And, and I, found, I find that as a Christian. And one of the first sort of animals, I suppose, that I kind of was fascinated by was baptism. And, and you know, with, with, with baptism, you know, it, it's, uh, it's one of those things where I just kept asking questions. It's such a bizarre practice. <laughs> it really is weird. Um, and I kept asking the question, why is it so, so important? And I do find that I kept, it was actually, it was Acts, actually reading through Acts that I began to get some answers um, as, as, as I looked at it. And so for me, looking at Acts really were, and the way, they, the way baptism was practiced began to answer a lot of the questions that I personally had. Um, and which I really want to be able to share with you. So, the first question is, why is baptism so important? And essentially, I suppose, and that's, this is almost final and I could stop the sermon right now, and that is because Jesus instructed us to be, to be baptized. And, you know, in obedience, that's essentially what we should do. Um, was sprinkling the process? You know, was immersion? You know, how is it? You know, the fact that I was, bat- I was sprinkled at nine months old, was that really baptism or not? You know, it's one of those questions. So, mm, Jesus instructed me, but I'm not too sure that I fully understood what needed to happen. So, if we, if we just go to the next slide and we just have a look. Um, is, Jesus basically said, Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And, and the one thing that I want you to note, that the baptism Jesus instructed the disciples to do, was to be done in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. And this, this is what distinguishes um, baptism for me from the Jewish ritual um, washing because they also, also sprinkle and wash their hands, and then they also have immersion um, in the water. <clears throat> and it also distinguishes it away from um, John's baptism, which was a baptism of repentance. So J- Jesus clearly made it clear that baptizing and baptism was an important part of um, being one of his disciples. But there were still some kind of nagging doubts in my mind. Um, <clears throat> Because if I looked at this, it said it was Jesus was talking to his disciples at the time. And it wasn't clear to me that this was a command to all Christians. And even though Jesus told the disciples to baptize people, did that really extend to me personally? Um, Was I being commanded to be baptized and to baptize? So kind of the question why still lingered a bit for me. So reading through Acts, what struck me um, is that it's mentioned so many times about new believers being baptized that I kind of thought, okay, it's, it's very clear Jesus was instructing us to be baptized, and it must be important. And, and this was a time really in the early church when the church just expanded exponentially and very rapidly. And it seems that becoming a believer actually required hearing God's word, repenting, and then accepting Jesus as Lord, and then being baptized. And when it happened, it seems in Acts um, that 
they were, people were baptized, and then there was very clear evidence of the work of the Holy Spirit, um, and that they actually walked in power. And every time you read of new, con- new converts in Acts, it's inextricably linked to baptism. So clearly, there is a link between conversion, baptism, and church growth, with baptism as an expression of the power of the Holy Spirit. And I've kind of extracted some of these, um, some, some of, some of the, the, the examples of, of baptism in, in Acts. So if we look at the first one, it says here, and this is the, the section where the Holy Spirit came down and people saw converts behaving quite peculiarly. You know, and, and in fact, I think it was Peter had to say to them, just don't worry, they're not really drunk. You know, <laughs> it's the Holy Spirit at work. And, um, and then he quite clearly said to them, these people um, you know, have basically believed in Jesus, have the power of the Holy Spirit, and you, together with wicked men, actually um, put Jesus to death, who is the Son of God. However, death couldn't have any hold on him, and he was raised by God to be both Lord and Messiah. And the people listening to him, I think the Bible tells us that they were cut to the heart. Okay. So it really, the reality of what had actually happened hit them. And he said, and they said to, to him, brothers, what shall we do? And Peter replied, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Okay, so note, after being baptized, they received the Holy Spirit. Um, So baptism comes with authority and with power. And that is something I could clearly identify. So when, when I was baptized, full immersion, there was like a massive change in gear. I went up a gear. I just really felt that I had much more authority and much more power. Um, and we'll, yeah, I think that's what I'm going to say on that one. So if we go on to the next slide, which is really, this is the, about Simon the sorcerer who was, who was baptized. Although I'm pretty sure, I think Simon went and blotted his copybook when he asked for money um, for the Holy Spirit. But, you know, it's, it's again an example of, of baptism. But when they believed Philip, uh, as he proclaimed the good news of the kingdom of God, the name of Jesus and the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. And Simon himself, and Simon was the sorcerer who had done, you know, people thought that he was really wonderful and had done wonderful things. But Simon himself believed and was baptized, and he followed Philip everywhere, and he was astonished at the signs and the miracles that he saw. Then if we go on and we sort of stay with Philip, this is where, where God basically told Philip to go into the desert, and he, he met the eunuch on a, I think he was in a chariot, um, and he basically told the eunuch about, about Jesus and gave him the, the, the story of the kingdom of God. So what it says is then both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water and Philip baptized him. And when he came out of the water, the Spirit of God suddenly took Philip away and the eunuch didn't see him again. But he went on his way rejoicing. So clearly something had happened. And, and you know, if... You kind of worry. I, I'm not too sure. It, it sounds as though he was in the desert. So, you know, it, it, it was probably more of a puddle that he got baptized in than, than a flowing river. Um, so, you know, we can see maybe it can be quite difficult when you do get baptized. And I, I got baptized in Zimbabwe in the middle of a drought. 
Um, so I kind of identify with that a bit. Then if we go on to the next one, um, baptism clearly marked the start of Paul's ministry. There was a disciple in Damascus called Ananias, who the Lord spoke to in a vision. Ananias, he said, I'm here, the Lord. The Lord said to him, get up and go to Straight Street and ask at Judas' house to see someone called Saul, who comes from Tarsus. This man has prayed and has been shown a man called Ananias coming to him and laying his hands on him so that he might regain his sight. Ananias left and entered into the house. Now, I, I, I'm not too sure of the theology here, and maybe you know, somebody can correct me on this, but I have, I'm pretty sure that, that, that Paul, at that stage, believed in Jesus. He was blinded, he had heard Jesus, and he actually said to Jesus, Lord, so he recognized that. So there was quite a bit of time from the point of, of Paul's conversion where he, he went and he basically was still blind at the time. Um, and we go on and it says, And laying hands on him, brother Saul, the Lord, even Jesus, who appeared to you when you were on your way, has sent me so that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And immediately scales fell from his eyes and his sight was restored. He stood up. And guess what? He was baptized. Okay. So, you know, now I'm really starting to think this is an important thing to do, is, is, is baptism. Um, we go on. And this is an encounter of Peter entering the house of the Gentile Cornelius. And visiting a Gentile or associating with them was forbidden, basically, by Jewish law. And, but basically, Peter recognized that um, Cornelius had been prompted by God to actually call for him. And it became very clear to Peter at that stage that there was no favoritism for God. It was Gentiles and Jews and whoever that God was calling. And he said, surely no one can stand in the way of their being baptized with water. They've received the Holy Spirit just as we have. So he ordered that they be baptized in the name of Jesus. And then they asked Peter to stay with them for a few days. So kind of baptism is for, all, for everybody who does believe. The next one is about Lydia, who is the dealer in purple cloth. And um, when she responded to Paul's message, she and her members of her household were baptized. Sure. And so I'm going on and on and on and on. Um, we have um, the jailer who had, was looking after Paul um, and Silas in jail. And there was a I don't know, it was an earthquake, if I remember correctly, and suddenly the chains fell off and the doors sprang open, and, um, and the jailer was absolutely terrified. And it, it, they ended up with the jailer actually cleaning the wounds of, of, the, um, of Paul and Silas, and the entire household, which I assumed were the slaves and everybody, was baptized. And we go on to the next one, and we're going to go on and on and on. It's going to go on forever. So... So clearly, there were many, many baptisms that occurs in, in, in Acts. We have, um, you know, we have Crispus, the synagogue leader, whose baptism, who, whose entire household was baptized. Um, then if we go on and we can see in Acts 19, then in Ephesus, Paul encountered some believers and asked them if they had received the Holy Spirit, and they hadn't. And then he asked them, you know, then what baptism did you receive? Well, it was John's baptism, they replied. And Paul said, John's baptism was a baptism of repentance. 
Okay? And he told the people to believe in the one coming after him, that is in Jesus. On hearing this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Okay, and then the Holy Spirit came down on them in power. And the next slide is really the last one I'm going to go on. I don't want to bore you with all of this, but I'm wanting to make a point. It just keeps appearing time and time again that baptism is a critical part of being a disciple. Um, and, and it's one which kind of relates to my own experience. <clears throat> and Paul, this is where in Acts 22, Paul is telling people <clears throat> excuse me, um, about the the people that are present, the story of his conversion. And in it, Paul is told by Ananias that God has chosen him to be the instrument of the word of God to the Gentiles. Um, and after recognizing who Jesus was, um, he, he then went on and became baptized. So there you have it. In 28 chapters, I've extracted nine examples of baptism. So that's I mean, there might be more. I'm, I'm not 100% sure, but that's like one baptism for every three chapters um, in, in it. And, and so it's, it's, it is, seems to be very important. Um, and so the early church baptism was practiced in a big way. And on the balance of probability, I think all um, converts into the new Christian movement were baptized. But, you know, the question kind of still lingered in my brain. Why was baptism so important? Um, I mean, what is it about sort of dunking in people in water that is, that is so important? Um, and, and, and in this day and age, it does seem a little strange. You know, I can remember when I joined Tiavata's Yacht Club. Um, the, the, the Yacht Committee didn't come out and throw me into the dam, you know. All, all I got was a little card, and then they wanted my fingerprint so that when I got to the gate and I touched the sensor, the gate would open. And that was, that was it. There was no dunking in the water, although I have to say that my Hobie cat didn't think, uh, didn't quite agree with it, and it baptized me quite a few times. So it, you know, so I did get baptized quite often. Um, but, but baptism is strange, and what is it about it, that, you know, that is, that is so, so important? And often when I don't fully understand something, I go to the Old Testament, and I just find that I find answers in the Old Testament, which is um, which is important. So, so, if I go to the third point that I want to make, is that baptism had incredibly powerful symbolic um, importance to the Jews. And I think it should, should have that to us. Um, yeah, so, you know, the question, I mean, the water for Jews was, was very important. And I kind of guess, if you go back to Genesis 1 and 2, um, what emerges from water? So that's the question I'm asking you. In Genesis 1 and 2, what emerges out of the water? Land, correct. And life, absolutely correct. So land and life, a new creation comes out of the waters. And that's, that's a very powerful symbolic image. And out of the land, you know, you have Adam being created. Adam being created out of the dust of the land that emerges out of the water. Um, and, and so that would be in the back of their mind. Um, and with that land, you had vegetation and animals and fish. And in fact, God tells us in Genesis that it was extremely pleasing to God. You know, it was enormously pleasing to him. And it was the beginning of a new creation. If you, another example, if you go to Genesis 6, is that 
basically um, God grieved and was disgusted by all the sin and the violence that kind of existed over the land. And so he then decided he was going to flood the land with water. And, um, and basically, he kept one family, which was Noah's family, who he found virtuous. And, um, and though he, you know, Noah's family was the only people that he really, really saved. And when the flood receded, okay, there was a new beginning. So in the, in the mind of the Jews, water had a, has got a cleansing impact. So it cleansed the world of violence and sin at that time. It didn't last for very long, but that clearly is what was in their minds. Um, and it was a new beginning. So for the Jews, and you can see it in their religion, it has a strong cleansing symbolism. It cleansed the world, um, and throughout the centuries, the Jews use water for cleansing. And I have no idea how you pronounce it, but the washing, or the hand-washing ritual called netilat yadayim. Just, you know, that's a, a pearl of wisdom for you, a new word that you might have learned today. But it's the washing of the hands. They do that. And then they have full immersion, which is tivala in the mikvah. And the mikvah, I do know, is the, is the bath the, the, where they actually have full immersion. And they, they basically do this at prescribed times. They do it at particular events and also when purification is required for, for various reasons. Um, now, really more important now is just when you go to Exodus. Um, and here you can see the Jews in captivity went through the Red Sea, through the waters, and they emerged out of it, and they were free from slavery in Egypt. And every year since then, since that captivity, they've been celebrating that, passing through the waters of the Red Sea into freedom, um, and therefore going into and out of water has immense symbolic significance to the Jews. Um, it's associated in other ways also. Water is also associated with death and destruction and disorder and chaos because the Leviathan is the one that you know, lived in the water. So going through water would symbolize death and coming out of water would symbolize new creation and a new beginning. Then if we move on to the New Testament, we see John baptizing people and what he was saying must have meant something to them because I can't imagine people just walking along to, to John and just John taking them and putting them into the water and pulling them out again. Um, but John's baptism was a baptism of repentance and they must have understood the symbolic act of actually going into the water and coming out um, because of their history. Um, and what's more important is that in a sense Jesus... Um, submitted himself to repentance. So Jesus took on the sins of the world and by going into the water and out of it was symbolic of repentance. Um, and essentially, as we know the story of Jesus, he took on all our sins and he entered into death and then he was, when he was resurrected by God again. Um, and something that I found really significant is that the ritual washing of the Jews was continually practiced. It always had to be done. When you were ritually unclean, you had to be ritually clean yourself. 
in particular times you had to go through the, the, the washing ceremony. John's baptism was practiced once. And Jesus' baptism is practiced once. It's once and once only. So that's, to me, a huge difference between, between the two. It's never to be repeated. Um, so Mark 1, if we go to Mark 1, it confirms that John's baptism was one of repentance. John the Baptist baptizes people and Jesus into a baptism of repentance. And he baptized Jesus. And the timing. So when we look at Jesus' death, the timing of the Passover festival um, wasn't just um, something that happened. It was, very, it was deeply significant, I think, at the time. It, it, Jesus' death and resurrection happened during Passover, and in retrospect, it would have been very meaningful to the Jews um, because, again, it was Jesus dying, in a sense, going into death, going into Hades, and then coming out again after a period of time and, and being resurrected. And you can see the link between that and the Passover festival. Um, also, the Passover festival took place in the month of Nisan. And Nisan is the first month of the year. So it's a new beginning. So, so the timing was not arbitrary. It was very specific. Um, Jesus, when he spoke to, to the disciples, um, took the language of baptism and used it in Mark 10 and explains why baptism is so significant. So Jesus says, you don't know what you're asking. This is, they were asking him to sit next to him in heaven. You don't know what you're asking. Can you be baptized with the baptism I'm baptized with? We can, they answered. And Jesus said to them, you will drink the cup I drink and be baptized with the baptism that I am being baptized with. Here Jesus is speaking more than water. He's speaking about his death um, as well, which is the cup. And the baptism is the descent and emergence from the basic hideousness of death into a new promised covenant. And, and note, note, note here quite carefully that Jesus is linking a spiritual link with a physical act of baptism. So it's a, it's a physical act, and then he's linking it to a spiritual event. Um, so the so that Jesus' baptism is sharing in Jesus' death and then his resurrection from his death. So you're actually sharing in it. And, that all, and when I read that, that almost sealed it for me. I thought, that's it. Baptism is absolutely critical. And I think I fully understood at that stage. And this brings me on to the next reason I believe baptism is so important and answers my, my third question. And, and this for me is my, my view. You can agree or disagree with it if you want. But, but essentially, I think, if I look at Mark 10, a spiritual transaction takes place when you're baptized. Um, and, and often baptism is described, like marriage, that it's a, it's a physical event um, that symbolizes, symbolizes an inward change in me. But, but I think it is so much more than that. I think there is a vital spiritual event that actually takes place. It's not symbolic of something within me. It is something that, that happens within me spiritually. Um, because if that weren't, weren't the case, if that didn't really happen, and if you take something like communion, um, if there's no spiritual transaction that's taking place when you take communion, all you're doing is you're having a tiny weeny little meal of bread and drinking a tiny little glass of grape juice. It's much more than that. 
much, much more. You know, in which case then baptism is just taking, is essentially just taking a bath in front of people. <laughs> you know, if, if it wasn't something that really happened, there wasn't a spiritual transaction in it. Um, I, I believe that when you do and you say something that is sacred with the fullness of your heart, um, such as, I believe Jesus is my Savior, something happens spiritually at the same time. Um, not only here on earth, but actually in heaven. And, and, and this kind of is a, is, is a concept that if, you, if you've been part of the Living Free Course, that, that is actually taught in it. Um, so that the concept of a spiritual transaction, is, it's, it's based on the following, following scriptures. So if you go to Matthew 16, 19... Um, he says, I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. You go move on two chapters, and he says, I tell you what you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and what you loose on earth will be loose in heaven. That's clearly a spiritual transaction that actually takes place. Um, yeah, so I believe that when, when you are baptized, something actually does happen. And if you go to Romans 6, this whole spiritual transaction is what it's all about. Romans 6 says, Don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. For if we have been united with him in death, like him, we will certainly be united with him in the resurrection. That is just an awesome scripture for me. I mean, it just, I, I just, when I want to read it every single time, I just get this kick in my heart that just says, that is amazing. But Paul uses very specific words here. He doesn't say, um, as if you were baptized into death. He makes it very clear that you were baptized into, into Christ Jesus' death, and you are resurrected with him. Um, it's an actual transaction that takes place. And, you know, with Christ's baptism, you raised with him through the waters of baptism into the new life belonging to Jesus, and that's amazing. So, yeah, so what's actually happening in the, in the world in this transaction? And it's much more than going in and out of water. So I think what is happening spiritually and superficially, I understand you're going into water and you're coming out on earth. But for the Jews at that time, it must have been critical because here they were in a society um, which, was which was Jewish in a big way, where in a, in a, in a community that had very prescribed rules, and suddenly you find Christians who were behaving completely differently. They were demonstrating love not only to Jews but to Gentiles. Horror upon horrors. You know, they, weren't, they were starting to show love all over the place. Miracles were starting to happen. And if you were a Jew and you converted to Christianity, that was a big deal. So when you actually came to know Christ and you were baptized, you enter into the water in one, in one community, you go into the water, and you come out into a different community. It's totally different. That is a big deal. And in many respects in the West, we don't understand that. So if you go to a Muslim country and you 
are a Muslim, you hear God's word, and you decide to be baptized, before you get into the water, you're accepted by your Muslim community, and you're accepted by them. You go into the water, and you come out, and you're totally broken away from that community. They shun you. They'll have nothing to do with you. So the reality of baptism in the time of the early church and in the places like, I presume, Pakistan, if you become a Christian, you do enter the water and you become something not only different, but you move into a different community altogether. If you're in China and you become a Christian and you're baptized and you come out of the water, you are a very different person. You can't hold a government job because you're a Christian. You know, you are in a very different, different world as well. And, and sadly, I think that that reality has kind of missed us. And, and in many ways, um, baptism is just a ritual. You know, we do it because that's what we do. And I, I just think that um, if we can understand it with the heart of the early church and we take baptism in that light, that actually I am now a totally different creature when you come out of the word, out of the water. And you know, when, when, when I looked through Acts, and I kind of looked, and I went to Uncle Google, and I looked through Google as well, I tried to understand, you know, is there a liturgy around baptism? Is there a particular ritual? And you know, there isn't. There's no liturgy attached to baptism. You just get baptized. You just get dunked in the water and you come out. You know, as long as it's done in the name of the Father and the, of the Son and the Holy Spirit, that's about the only kind of liturgy that's there. Um, so, and I believe that that's what it needs to be. I don't think it has to be done in a church um, or it has to be done in a special event with um, an ordained priest who does it. I think as long as you're a believer... Uh, and you, somebody comes and wants to be baptized, you can baptize them. It's, there's no way as a prescribed that you can't. And I think that's the way it should be, um, you know, as, as, a, uh, as in the modern church. We need to just see it in that way. We don't need a fancy baptismal font in a church. We should just go down to the beach and get baptized there, you know. Okay. And, and that, in a sense, brings me onto my kind of my fourth and final point, and that is I really do believe you become more, you become more effective as a Christian. I think that, that, that baptism is an act of obedience. And, and when, when you're obedient, you're actually walking in step with God. And you're not walking on your own. You're actually doing it in step with God. And you're doing it not in your strength and in your power, but in God's strength and, and His power. Nothing can stop you then. So, so clearly, doing, being baptized as an act of obedience, actually, I do believe, empowers you more. Um, I don't think that baptism is a prerequisite for salvation, but I think it is a prerequisite for obedience. I really do. And, you know, in, in a sense, I don't think if you're not baptized through full immersion and if you were baptized when you were a baby and I have no recollection of it. Um, but when you are baptized in obedience, you be, it's, it's in a sense you become more powerful as a, as, as a Christian. It's in the same way as if it's raining outside and I've got gardening to do, um, I can go outside, I can do the gardening, 
um, without a raincoat. But I can only do it for so long, <laughs> you know, and I'm not particularly effective because I'm having to wipe water away. But if I go out into the garden and I put on my raincoat, I can be out there all afternoon. I'm much more effective and I'm much more powerful. And I think that, in a sense, is the kind of how I do see baptism. It's not essential for salvation, but it does make you a more powerful Christian. And I just want to give you my own testimony. I, having gone through this journey, and I've now taken you through the thought process that I went through, I suddenly realized that, okay, I was sprinkled. I do need to get baptized. But I didn't, I didn't want it to be a ritual. I didn't want to go and say to the pastor, please, can you baptize me, um, just for the sake of it, you know. I actually wanted it to be very meaningful to me. And so I thought, I'm going to wait until a point when I actually do feel God is now moving me into a new season and into a new ministry. And that's an essentially what I did. And the minute that that actually happened, and I really sensed God calling me into a, a new ministry, I then said, right, I want to be baptized. The person I asked was um, a very close friend of mine, Rory Spence, and we were going up to Gonorazo in Zimbabwe, and I don't know if anybody's been to Gonorazo, but it's a, basically it's a wilderness area. You would have been there, <laughs> yes. It is a wilderness area. It is beautiful. And um, I thought... I love Gonorrhoea, and we'd been there quite a few times, and I thought, this is where I want to be baptized. It's very meaningful to me. It's a country where I was born, and I, this is where I want to be baptized. And I said to Rory, would you baptize me? Rory is a minister in the Presbyterian Church, um, and I didn't do it because he was a minister in the Presbyterian Church. I did it because he was a very close friend. But one of the dangers is that, in fact, at one point in the Presbyterian Church, if you baptized an adult you would be defrocked, believe it or not. It's no longer the case now, but it was not allowed. But Rory, throughout his entire career, has been baptizing people with full immersion, and he's never <laughs> been defrocked. And so, for me, it was very special. And we went, I went down to, we went to the Lundi River, um, and through, <laughs> where there were hippos and there were crocodiles, so it was a, bit, it was a step in faith. <laughs> and, uh, and, and, you know, Good for Rory, he was prepared to do it and uh, risk, the, risk the crocodiles. And, and I was baptized. And as I came out of the water, um, and, and for me, I still get emotional when I think of it, I just, as I came out of the water, I heard the cry of two fish eagles. And that to me is very special. The fish eagle is a very special bird for me. And my nickname when I worked in Africa was Nkwazi in Malawi, which means fish eagle. And it was, like, it was like God was saying, I'm really chuffed you've done this. You know, and it was, it, for me, it was very, very special. And so from that moment on, I really do feel that God empowered me. I think I've been more effective as, 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 a, as a Christian. And, um, yeah, that, that's the story, the thought process. I went to the point where I was baptized in the Rundi River in, in Zimbabwe. So... Let me just end. I'm just going to go through what I've said. So for me, baptism is important because Jesus commanded it. It was important to the early church, and it should be to us as well. It's a spiritual transaction that takes place in heaven, and obedience brings with it greater authority and power. And to me, it's a clear indicator to the community that you're now part of the Christian community might not be that important to us, but let me tell you, to the, to the Muslim who's become a Christian, it's 
hugely significant. But there is a bit of a health warning um, about this, and I think it's important to, to, to be aware of it. You know, the act of baptism does bring with it its problems. N.T. Wright, who's one of my favorite theologians, writes that there is a world full of baptized people um, who are non-Christians. You know, it's just been a ritual process for them. Martin Luther, on the other, other hand, said that when all else fails in his life, and when the world seems dark and black, I just recognize that I have been baptized, and that for me is the chief anchor. So, you know, for him, it, was, it, it, it is really critical. So you have all of these kind of baptized non-Christians, and then you have Martin Luther, who very strongly knew where he stood. Um, I don't think these are two extremes in a sliding scale. I think you're either a Christian or you're not, baptized or not. Um, but what, for me, um, is really important is that you don't mess around with it, what I would regard as a sacrament, with communion. You don't mess around with baptism. Because if you do, I think Paul warns us in 1 Corinthians 10, essentially, that you're playing with fire. Um, I don't want to get into the theology as to whether you can lose your, your um, salvation or not, and I'm just leave it at that. But Paul does warn us very carefully, if you do this, you do it with your heart and you do it quite seriously. Um, and there, there are examples of what happens if you fall outside of God's, um, God, God's will. Um, so basically, in conclusion, I would basically say to you, step away from the fire and in obedience in Christ. And if you haven't been baptized, seriously, seriously consider doing it. It really is. I mean, my experience has been awesome. Um, and if you haven't been baptized, I really, really ask that you seriously consider that you do it. And if you haven't been baptized and you do want to, please speak to me afterwards, or in fact, speak to Brad, and we will urgently baptize you. <laughs> okay. Thank you very much. Thanks for your, for your attention. Thank you.